Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. I'm really excited. I have a special guest today with me, and we are talking about something you're going to be really interested in. It's highly, highly requested by a lot of you. We're talking post-COVID, summer, body image, warmer clothes, food guilt, all of those things that come with this time of year. And I want to tell you a little bit about Dylan. So Dylan Murphy is a registered dietitian and founder of Free Method Nutrition. And that is a virtual nutrition practice that exists simply to empower women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. Dylan and her team of registered dietitians equip women with the knowledge and tools to gain clarity in their food choices and confidence in their bodies through nutrition coaching and one-to-one and small group settings. So welcome, Dylan. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I'm very excited about this conversation. Me too. I absolutely, Dylan and I were talking a bit offline. We could talk forever. And I, yeah. <laughs> I think this is going to be a good one because we, we know each other and we, we both really understand this process of healing your relationship to food intimately mm-hmm. that I think is going to really come through to you guys and give you a lot of things to kind of walk away with, think about and be aware of. But before mm-hmm. we get into it, I'd like to hear a little bit more about I like you guys to know a little bit more about Dylan. So Dylan, tell me, how did you get into this work? Yeah, that's a great question. I love answering this question. And you may have mentioned this when we were offline, but I feel like it can be so helpful to just hear from people of like, okay, tell like I kind of want to know more about her before I learn like or hear what all she has to say. So yeah, so a little more about me. So I've been a dietitian, gosh, I think six years now. It's like getting to the point where I'm losing count of the years, but I think like six, maybe seven years. And I feel like my story is kind of similar to a lot of dietitians where I got into the field more rooted from like, kind of like obsession with health, obsession with how can I be the healthiest? How can I eat the quote unquote cleanest? I was an athlete all growing up, up until high school or up until I went to college. And so really started to get an interest in the role that food can play in our bodies and in performance. And and I don't think my intentions were negative getting into it because I do think that's interesting how food can fuel our performance. But then I think like with a lot of times with food and diets, I kind of took it to the next level of like, okay, well now how can I eat the, you know, quote unquote best and and take care of my body. And it's interesting going through college as a nutrition major. I mean, I feel like a lot of what we learn as dietitians is like how to diet, how to like lose weight. And in my opinion, what I say a lot is like how to give people eating disorders, which is so frustrating, but it, it was a lot of what I was learning in college and, and a lot of what I was seeing in classmates too. And so I feel like my lifestyle started to resemble that of, you know, over-exercising and doing all these crazy like diets and juice cleanses and just things that like 
made no sense, but at the time made so much sense. And so for me, I feel like it really came like in my dietetic internship and probably even after that, when it all started to click of like, okay, this isn't like the full life I want to be living. Because another reason I got into nutrition is I'm a huge foodie. I love food. I love cooking. I love going out to meals with friends. And so I saw how the two, like, it was almost like I was living these two lives that didn't intersect of like, okay, well, I love chips and queso, but in high school, I would go out to Mexican and I'd like bring my own salad or like go to the salad place next door. So it's like, these things don't add up. And I think around that same time, I learned about intuitive eating, which still like blows my mind that we don't learn about that in school. I'm like, what are they teaching us? But when I learned about it, I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I need. And so I feel like for me, I kind of went through my own journey of learning, relearning, because I think we're all born intuitive eaters, relearning how to eat intuitively, and then kind of intersecting this to my story of like how I even got into private practice. But I'd always in probably since college knew I wanted to eventually start a private practice, go into my own business. And so I think where that then intersected with this, you know, intuitive eating and eating disorder like mindset and focus that I have was through my own experience and seeing the transformation and and like how much joy food and getting back that freedom and food and body can bring. Going through that myself, I was like, I want to help people with this. And this is something that so many people need to hear, but no one, you know, the the noise of diets and all of that is so much louder. So yeah, so I think through my own personal journey and then just through the desire that I've always have and kind of the entre- entrepreneurial spirit, I feel like I've always had of like wanting to start my own thing, wanting to be my own boss kind of led to this perfect blend of now doing a job that I love. Oh, I'm so glad you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And hearing the way you were talking about when you're in school and you're hearing all these messages, I think of it so similar. And and I never thought about it in that way until you said it just now, where it's almost like all of our nutrition knowledge that we were learning is like another food rule, another thing to mm-hmm. try. Almost like we got a lifetime of diets in four yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And we're just these eager students of like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to get all A's and I want to do the yes. right thing. And like you said, that innocent interest where you're like, Mm -hmm. gosh, this is really cool. This can help people and how empowering and life-giving I was an athlete. I get it. And then to have things kind of veer off and gosh, I mean, finding intuitive eating is such an awakening. It's like Mm -hmm. you couldn't have worked in a traditional job after that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, once you learn about it and experience it yourself, it's like, you want to tell other people. And even because I was working in a clinical job when I first became a dietitian, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I have to get out. And I think there's places for intuitive eating in clinical world too, because I think intuitive eating can so intersect with disease management and all of that as well. But I feel like for me, it was just like, I need to get out. I need to get into private practice and be able to reach more people. Yes. I completely share your sentiments. And I, I think that's a huge misconception is that mm-hmm. intuitive eating and therapeutic diets to treat or yeah. disease don't go together. And I hear you on really wanting to do that exclusively. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is, I've seen this change in myself and I yeah. want to see other people experience this directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So wonderful. Well, the practice and the field is grateful to have you. And I think it's it's a perfect, you know, segue into really talking about you're you're so centered in all of the clients that you have worked with and your six years of experience. And hey, I've walked this path with people. Mm-hmm. And so you were exactly the person, like I said before, that I wanted to chat with about this because you know, as this time of year comes, and we were talking about this offline, you mentioned like this time of year is always hard for people. Mm-hmm. I think just COVID is really adding to it this pressure of maybe having not seen people in a while, or, you know, more social events happening that we haven't had or just putting on real pants, you know, whatever it is mm-hmm. for you. So how are your clients and your community feeling about this? What are you seeing? Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of one thing I tell my clients, and this is why I recommend working with a dietitian for a pretty good length of time, because you ex- like all these different seasons, like literal seasons, fall, winter, spring, summer, different things come up in, in our body and in other things, you know, holidays versus summer and vacation and all of that. And so I feel like what we're seeing now in like spring and summer, we've, we see most every year, but it's like, so heightened this year, because I feel like last year we didn't really, I mean, sure, obviously spring and summer happened, but it wasn't like people weren't vacationing as much. People weren't going out. It was way more low key. And so, yeah, a lot of what I've been seeing is that fear around like, okay, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be in a bathing suit, or I'm seeing these friends I haven't seen in a year. And, you know, some people's bodies may have changed over the year and, or maybe they haven't, but they just haven't been in these situations of being around people. So it's like, they're having to relearn these skills of like, oh, I forgot that my random aunt Karen always makes these comments about my body and now I'm around her again. And yeah, so a lot of it's having to like relearn things too, that people just haven't been exposed to in the past, you know, year, year and a half or so because of everything with COVID. And I think a big thing with that too, that I've seen, especially with like clients who I'm able to talk with obviously longer and develop relationships with more is helping them understand like all of that's so normal, like to have that fear, to have that anxiety around like, okay, how do I navigate being in a bathing suit? How do I navigate shopping for new clothes when, you know, last year we were in like leggings and t-shirts all the time. Like, so it's all these things that they're having to do again and knowing like it's okay if that's hard and that's where getting help can can really help that. Ooh, this is really good stuff, Dylan. I'm hearing these like themes of comparison, being around potentially triggering people, just generally more exposure to others. Is that kind of what you're seeing triggered in people? Yes, for sure, because I think for, you know, so long we were just stuck in our homes and not I mean the only people we were around were maybe roommates or our spouse or partner or family, like we weren't seeing that many people. And now we're in spaces of going on trips, even just normal day-to-day things, like people feeling more comfortable going to the grocery store and going out to dinner. And you don't even think about it as much until you're you're then in those moments when you're starting to see, you know, different body sizes or you're seeing different fashion trends and you're, you know, it's, it's bringing emphasis to your body or bringing emphasis to like, oh, I wish I could fit into that. It's yeah, it's the comparison trap that I think is always there because it happens on social media too, but it it then is heightened when we see it in person. Yeah. And it's like your body is unedited in person live yeah. 
And like you said, it's like any other year you might feel self-conscious about wearing jean shorts to a concert or, you know, farmer's market or whatever, but, you know, extra after having this extended period, something you mentioned when we were chatting offline that I thought was really important is this idea that like diet culture is really capitalizing on it as well. Mm-hmm. Like you were mentioning, was it like the COVID-15 or like, yeah. or the COVID-19 or just yes. quarantine 15, all of these mm-hmm. things. Which is so frustrating, but it's so, I mean, and I, I tell this to clients and to, you know, my followers on Instagram a lot that diet culture and the, and the companies that kind of make up diet culture, they do a good job at marketing. Like they know how to sell, which is key, but, but it's also horrible because they're, you know, picking at people's insecurities. They're saying these things that they know are probably going to get people to buy, but also the solutions they have aren't long-term solutions. So yeah, I think that they've kind of, just like we see marketing change in the summertime with the classic like bikini body, beach body to like in, in the new year, like we see marketing trends change, but now it's like an extra... It's almost like they have an extra tool in their tool belt of like, oh, well, now let's also talk about like the COVID-19 or the quarantine 15 and, and all of that. And, you know, I remember one thing I was talking to clients a lot, especially in those like first few months of quarantine when they were getting used to just being home more and being less active and, you know, being around more food is like, you know, we're going through this global pandemic. If gaining weight is the only thing that happens to you, like you're lucky, like, because there's so many things that so many other people are experiencing, whether it's, you know, sickness, losing their job, all these different things. But diet culture and the whole system that it is wants us to think that that's the worst thing that could happen to us. And then we get, you know, into even like the medical field and and there of how the the fear mongering around like, well, if you gain weight, that might put you more at risk for COVID, like all these things that it's like, that's not even true. You're just trying to scare people and it, it works, but it's horrible. Yeah, absolutely. It's And thinking about it, the way you talked about it is like, okay, this is another thing that I have to be resilient towards. Mm -hmm. And oops, they got me because it's a new thing. I'm coming out of this global pandemic Mm -hmm. or, you know, at least in some shape or form, we realize it's not over yet. Um, But socially and food and body image, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's coming up. And yet, you know, it's just like New Year's. It's just like the typical rush of things. I think that's really important to pin into and say, wait a minute, step Mm -hmm. one is realizing that you've gotten through this before. You got through this in January, the January before, or you can learn to. Yes. Which is such a good point because maybe people are like, okay, well, I've always, you know, jumped on board the latest fads, the bikini body thing or the, you know, New Year's resolutions, but knowing like, okay, well, this time could be different. Like, what if you didn't? go on some crazy diet to lose the quote unquote quarantine 15. Like what if, and even thinking about like making that sort of financial investment, like what if you put it towards something, you know, we were talking about intuitive eating earlier. Mm-hmm. What if you put it towards joining like an intuitive eating group coaching program or working with a dietitian one-on-one, like maybe you still want to make some sort of investment in your health, but put it towards something that actually is going to pay off long-term. That's a really good point. You know, we invest so much into diet culture. And so, you know, unfortunately, we have to heal from that and diverge from that. And that takes support just like you might have been, you know, buying into before. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like thinking about kind of this idea of, you know, okay, moving forward. Like, so we kind of know that this is a triggering time. These are cyclical things that come mm-hmm. up plus, you know, this, this unique thing that we've yeah. lived through. And so, you know, how do we, how do we deal with it? Because we know we're being faced with social comparison. We know we're being faced with more exposure in our body parts. We know it's bringing out, like when you were talking earlier about how, like in your story, you know, enjoying Mexican restaurants, like your, you know, food stuff that you had developed wasn't literally meeting up with things that you really enjoyed. So it was out of alignment with who you were. Mm -hmm. And so I think that happens to a lot of people where, it's like, oh, I want to make that barbecue the thing I'm scared of. And ultimately you are. But really, there's a part of you that probably just wishes that you, hey, I want to be able to go to a barbecue and not feel bad about mm-hmm. you know, eating whatever's there or yeah. whatever I might be wearing. So it's like, yeah, how do people... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of those like initial yeah. steps or things yes. that we can think about. Yeah. Which is such a good question. And, and it's so... You know, you and I know it's so much longer than just like, okay, do these three steps and it's going to be perfect. But there's definitely starting points. And I think, you know, one thing you were talking a lot about is even digging into like, what's important to you. And one thing we have all of our group and one-on-one clients do when they first start working with us is go through some material we have on like figuring out your core values and what's important to you. And and then the language we use a lot throughout, and we do this with eating disorder clients too, is really getting clear on like, okay, what are your values and how are they so different than you know the values diet culture tells you or the values your eating disorder tells you? Because I think we get so used to, you know, we live in a society that values like the smaller you are, the better you are, and you should only eat XYZ foods. And so walking away from that can be so hard. It's like we're swimming against the tide or the current, but it also can be so freeing because it allows us those experiences of like, I love Mexican food and I can go eat Mexican food and not feel guilty about it. So I think in answering your question too, of like, where do people start? I think that can be a great starting point of like, what's important to me? What do I want my life to look like? What do I value? What like excites me? Just like getting clear on like who you are as a person, what's important to you, what gives you life. And then seeing like, what are things that, are taking me away from that. And what that may look like is like, what are Instagram accounts I need to unfollow? What are, you know, these diets that I need to walk away from? And and what are things I need to, yeah, like say goodbye to, unfollow. And then from there it's seeing, okay, based on that, like, do I need support and accountability in this? Because we know that can be huge and that can help you go further faster as well. Of okay, I've identified like, wow, I've been dieting for the past 10 years of my life. Maybe I need some help walking away from this. Cause, you know, even think about intuitive eating, like that can be so overwhelming. It's like drinking out of a fire hose, trying <laughs> hit because it's, I mean, even for like dietitians, like when I read the book, I'm like, this is a lot. Like it's so great, but yeah. it's like you kind of need someone, whether it's a group or, you know, whatever it looks like to help you go through it. And I love that that's, if I can pause you for a second. Yeah. I love that that's your first step in working with people. And I think it's actually a first step for people right now too, of it's almost like putting a stake in the ground of like, here's what matters to me. And here's what doesn't. Like you said, it's like separating yourself from diet culture. So then the conversation becomes no question. I'm going to meet my friend at brunch this weekend, or when she hosts us over, like I'm going. And 
how can I get support doing that? So if it's not working with somebody like you or I, it's, you know, making sure that you're taking a friend with you that knows what you're going through or contacting that person ahead of time and saying, Hey, I cannot wait to see you. And, you know, I just want you to know that I'm looking forward to that, or I don't want to talk about bodies or I don't want to talk about food. This is what matters to me. And this is what doesn't. Cause I think that to people like kind of basically staying in this for the long haul and like really committing to these challenging times ahead in the best of ways. Yes. And those are all such good points. Cause I think even thinking about something like, okay, going to brunch with friends or going over to your friend's house to have, you know, a happy hour and knowing it's not even as easy as, okay, I'm just not going to feel guilty for eating the dip that my friend makes or for having two drinks instead of one on a Tuesday night. It's knowing like, okay, that's all baby steps. And I think I love what you said about like bringing a friend into that of like, Hey, I feel really guilty when I, you know, eat a hamburger on a Tuesday night and I know we're going out to this hamburger place. I want to eat a hamburger. Can you help me do that? It's seeing like baby steps that can help you. And even, I mean, sometimes what I'll recommend to clients too is like, okay, you know, maybe going out to eat plus having a hamburger feels so out of reach right now for you. What if you got the food takeout, had the hamburger at home? What if you, you know, split the hamburger and also got a salad? Like it's almost like you're meeting in the middle and taking one step. And then next time you go, like, let's challenge it a little bit harder. Cause yeah, I think it can be so hard to walk away from all of these voices, especially if you've been dieting for so long, or even, you know, whether you're actually dieting or just kind of following along these food rules and kind of calorie counting in a sense, or this just kind of like, quote unquote, healthy lifestyle that our culture loves to talk about, it can be hard and and intimidating and confusing of like how to walk away from that. Yep. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, I think this idea of, hey, I'm going to be challenged right now. And this is normal in the process. And so, you know, the idea here is to really brace against the storm of there is a lot of this you know, social comparison, triggering people, difficult situations, more social situations. So it's kind of like when the going gets tough is now potentially and yeah. healing your relationship with food. So you're in it. And, and so how do you kind of like hunker down and, and continue to move forward? And I don't know, I was thinking about a couple of things. So kind of this idea of asking for support. And I think that's really important that you brought that up because you know, and if it's not again working with somebody or being part of a group, like again, finding that person in your life or somebody that's going to be there that you know can be supportive to you, that you open up to, just admitting it, you're struggling with it. But I'm also thinking about a couple more kind of like tactical things mm-hmm. as well. And I don't know, I'm wondering, like, like I love how you talk about like figuring out where you're at too and not like making yourself too uncomfortable. So Mm -hmm. if going to the beach in a bikini and eating barbecue food and going out for drinks that night is going to send you into a spiral, then let's like, you know, step into it one at a time. Yeah. Which I think can be huge because I've seen time and time again, and even seen this, you know, just chatting with people in DMs on Instagram of once people get to this point of realizing diets don't work, I want this lifestyle food freedom. I want what I see these other people have. And they want to dive head first, which, which I love. I love that like passion and desire to change, but it's also hard 
when all you've known for so long is food rules and all of that. And so I think kind of finding this middle ground of like, what small step can you take? You're still going to get there. And again, like we talked about with support, whether it's a professional or a friend or family member is going to help you get there faster. But it also helps give you that continued boost of confidence. Because I think it can be, you know, using that example of like, I'm going on vacation, wearing a bikini, eating this, like doing all these things all at once can feel overwhelming. And then it's easy for that like negative self-talk to come in of like, maybe this just isn't for me. Like, this is why I need to diet. Like a lot of those beliefs can come back Mm -hmm. in versus like, you know, another thing I think is, you know, when people talk about like, well, I can't keep ice cream at home because I'm just going to eat it all in one sitting. It's like, okay, maybe that feels true because you've been restricting ice cream for so long. Why don't you just go out to an ice cream shop and just get one, you know, a regular scoop or whatever of ice cream or buy a pint size instead of the gallon. Yeah. Starting small, because then it helps to give them that confidence of like, okay, I can do this. I, and again, bringing it back to your values of like, and this is important to me. Like I, for food, like I want to be able to enjoy food. Like, yes, food has so many nourishing benefits for our body and our health, but some of those also have so much more to do with like, our mental health and relationships and all of that. So really getting clear on that. But yeah, I love the the tangible of like one small step at a time, yeah. which can be hard because I mean, I'm very impatient. Like I just want it to happen. <laughs> like, okay, I want food freedom. Let me like, how do I get it? But knowing just like trusting the process and knowing it, it might take some time. Yeah. I could see that okay. flowing in for somebody who, okay, so... I wasn't ready to go to brunch with my six girlfriends and then go to the beach and then, you know, whatever else it's like, or the pool or something, all you lucky people (laughs) that live by the beach. But it's like, once you do it once successfully, Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, wait, I did that last weekend and Mm -hmm. I definitely felt self-conscious. I was in my head during it, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to commit to keeping with it and just practicing and I think what you and I are really illustrating today and and you again have so much experience with this in your clients is like this really you're in it you're in the journey and so we expect this so just because it's more challenging doesn't mean that you fold your cards or that you'll always sort of be this way a lot of people it's like so insidious they're like oh I'll just kind of always be like this and I'm like oh yeah. ah like I want to meet you where you're at for sure but I also yeah. want to paint this picture that it really can get better yes And I think that's helping, it's helping people start to challenge their own thoughts because they get so accustomed to like, I'm always going to be this way. This is just always like, I just am all, even something kind of even unrelated to diets, but to kind of put it into perspective of like, if someone is like always late to things, like it's easy to just be so stuck in that of like, yeah, I'm just always late. It's just who I am. It's just part of me. And maybe that maybe your tendency is, you know, you are kind of always running late for things, but that doesn't mean that's always how you have to be. You can see like, okay, well, why am I always running late? Do I need to start start getting ready, you know, 15 minutes earlier? Do I need to leave my house earlier to better anticipate traffic? Like there's things you can do to become that person who does arrive to things on time, but it's knowing it takes work instead of just sitting in like, yeah, that's who I am. I'm always late to things or like, I just always diet. I I can never control myself around ice cream. You may have experienced that to be true, but it doesn't mean it's always true. Yes. Oh my gosh. So let me try an example on you of this Mm -hmm. and see what you think. Maybe if somebody is always afraid that 
they're going to go to the party or meet up with friends and that people are going to notice their body has changed or are paying attention, you know, to that, then how you could kind of unpack that is to like how you were describing, it's like basically you're going back a couple steps. So you might say like, gosh, you know, is that something that I notice about my friends? Like, are the people that I'm meeting up with, do they tend to do that? Have I noticed that before? Or are they always maybe just talking about themselves and their own like self-consciousness? Do I think about my other, you know, people's bodies? Or do I think about what, do I remember what shoes somebody was wearing or whatever? Probably not. And then it's sort of like, well, you know, does that really do I know that to be true? And then does that really matter? And is there a way I can challenge it? Which I feel like you went from like, this is this identity. This is who I am. People always are paying attention to my body or this is a big deal mm-hmm. to like kind of challenging it directly by like, well, wait a minute. Why is that? And can I change yeah. it? But then yeah. also, does that end up shifting your mindset through like action and not identifying with it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense? Yes. Yeah. Because it's a huge mindset shift. It's like separating. Like I think going back again to values and then the identity there of like people get so entrapped and like their identity is basically what all these diets tell us. Because if we look at their marketing too, it it goes so in line with that of like, yeah, you can't control yourself. That's why you need this plan. That's why you need to follow this, this, and this. You shouldn't and so it's like, because whatever. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like it's all these things that are catchy that, you know, catch people's eye. They're like, oh, that's so true. That's me. But yeah, I think it's evaluating. I love what you said because that's a thought I had when you first started that example of like asking them like, okay, when you go into a room, do you immediately like judge people, like look at people's body size? And maybe some people answer and they're like, yeah, I do. Then you realize like, okay, that's something I need to work on internally and myself to be able to view all bodies the same way. Mm -hmm. And if I notice my friends talking a lot about their bodies, talking a lot about diets, then maybe I need to have a conversation with my friends because you know you want to, or you should want to surround yourself with people who uplift you, who yes, push you to grow, but in the right ways, like not in the sense of like, oh yeah, you look so good. You have lost weight. Like that's pushing you back into the identity of diet culture mm-hmm. versus into like who you truly want to be. Oh my gosh. That's perfect. And it makes me think of too, and I, I'm kind of cheating because I was talking about this on an IG live recently about like body image and being around people again. And mm-hmm. one of the things, and I'm sure you talk to your clients about this too, that came up was this idea of basically kind of recovering from that situation and sort of like getting reconnected to yourself. So like earlier when you were talking about like, say you're around your aunt and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. She always is like weird about food and says things about yeah. what I'm eating okay, cool. Like her stuff, whatever. But then on the way home or maybe in the bathroom or maybe whatever, you're checking in with yourself of like, oh my gosh, when she was being weird about food and was looking over at my plate, it made me feel weird and like self-conscious about what I was eating. But ultimately that that's not how I want to like show up at these places. It's not how I want to approach food. I'm just triggered. This is temporary. Like, do you help people kind of like, could you speak more about a bit about that? Yeah, that because that's all so good. And I think the way I talk about that with people is like, you know, some of the triggers you may know historically of like, okay, every Thanksgiving, my aunt, so-and-so, my grandma, whoever it is, makes these comments. Or, you know, I have this one friend who anytime we're together, she always says these things. So there's some you can kind of start to prepare for. Yeah. Of like, okay, 
I'm just going to go into this event, this dinner, this vacation, expecting her to make a comment that's triggering. Yeah. So then I can know how am I going to protect myself? And, and really in those situations, I think there's several things people can do. Like if it is a family member or a close friend that you feel comfortable kind of digging into that conversation of, you know, whether it's going the route of like, Hey, I really don't appreciate people making comments about my body, or I really don't appreciate, like, I don't really want to talk about our food choices. Like maybe it is kind of calling it out. And maybe that turns into a conversation or it's just, you know, changing the subject or, you know, even like small practical things I'll talk through with clients is like, you know, maybe you sit at the opposite end of the table of her when you're in line going to get food, like you're not close to her. So then if she's making comments, maybe you don't hear them as closely. And then I think there's some of those that we don't either, you know, we haven't been around them in a while. So we don't remember like, oh man, I forgot like the kind of comments she makes. Or we're in new settings around new people who make comments. And I think in those moments is when it's really helpful to be so in tune with yourself, with your emotions, and what can tend to like dysregulate you. So then you can know like, okay, what she just said was really triggering and really like upsets me. I need to go to the bathroom just so I can like step away, have like five minutes of space, or maybe I need to go step outside. Maybe I need to leave this event early. And all of this that I'm saying comes up as like, setting boundaries of seeing like, okay, what do I need to do to protect myself and my energy? And and when does it make sense for me to kind of take a step further of like, let's not talk about this. Or like I mentioned with friends, like even bringing it up of like, it's probably not good for us to talk about our bodies like this. Like I have a friend, she's also a therapist here in Nashville who in her friend group, like anytime someone makes a negative comment about their bodies, She's then is like, okay, I need you to say one positive thing about your body now, which I think doing things like that can be so good because I think, you know, you get a group of girls together. It's so easy for people to nitpick their bodies. And so some of it is just bringing it to the light of like, do you realize what you're doing? Or like you're commenting on, you know, everything you eat or things like that. And sometimes people don't even realize they're doing it because they've been doing it for years and their mom did it and their grandma and all of that. So yeah, I think setting boundaries can be big. And then also recognizing just your own energy in the moment of like, what do I need right now? Do I need to like step away? Do I need to leave early? And knowing all of that is okay. Oh, that's beautiful. It's like this whole conversation kind of came together as this really, we're kind of wrapping it up with this like shared humanity, Mm -hmm. you know, like just like we're all conditioned in diet culture we have to kind of like recondition ourselves together. So whether that's your friends who are in it with you and who get it, or you happen to be friends with an amazing therapist that I want to be friends with, <laughs> you know, it's like there, there are people that are working, working through this, but, the, but that, Hey, we all get it. We all feel the pressure. We all feel the social comparison. We all feel triggered. We all feel self-conscious. And so, you know, really it's kind of this idea of, all right, So we know all of these things are coming. We know it's cyclical. We know it comes up this time of year. We know that one of the things you can really, really do is really figure out who you are and what's important to you so that you have a foundation to stand on to be able to really opt out. We're talking about like like opt out of this stuff. Yes. And then thinking about these events that you want to do or these triggering situations, it's like plan it out ahead of time, know what to expect, take care of yourself during it, Check in with yourself afterwards. Yeah. And we have that's big too. I think checking in with yourself afterwards of like, 
Cause I think from that too, it's like, okay, next time I'm in a setting like that, what would I want to do differently? What went well about that? You know, how do I need to better support myself or, or even just journaling? You know, I think it can be good when certain things do trigger you or kind of make you feel uncomfortable to kind of dig through that of like, okay, what was coming up? Cause also like one thing I say a lot to clients is it's kind of impossible to avoid triggers. Like, because our whole, we like our culture is just triggering for all the things. So it's not even like, how can I get myself into this trigger-free environment where, you know, no one talks about calories, no one talks about their body. Like it's just blissful, like perfect, like that, that doesn't exist. That's probably never going to exist, unfortunately. But it's thinking through like when things do, like how can I go into situations kind of expecting something to maybe happen? So then if it does, I feel more equipped with how to handle it. And then if I maybe didn't handle it well or didn't feel equipped, how can I reflect on that and then respond or learn differently next time? Mm -hmm. It's that, oh, it's pulling it forward and those lessons that come from that. That's key. My mind, you saw my face over here. I'm like, (laughs) like mind blown. Like we have to opt out. We have to develop a resilience to this. And I mean, unfortunately for us, you know, that's, that's kind of what we have to do, even though we never really asked for any of this stuff to be put upon us. So thank you for sharing that. That is so central and so important. Mm. What do you have that you are looking forward to this summer? Like when you think about freedom, when you think about post COVID, what are you looking forward to the most? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to being able to travel more and like going. So I'm, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. So we'll go back to the beach yes. some this summer, which will be so nice. And just not like, cause I, I went home and saw family. We usually drive so we can bring our dogs. So we went home, you know, last year during COVID, but obviously it was very different. Like you couldn't really go to the beach. And if you did, like it was, so I'm just looking forward to being able to like go places and feel a little more you know, safe and comfortable and and being able to spend time outside. I'm trying to remember if you already know this or not, but I'm pregnant too. I am having a baby in September. So I'm excited just I have some baby showers this summer and getting to see friends. And it's interesting. Like I, gosh, I feel like I'm having so many thoughts now, like with pregnancy and how I'm noticing my body changing and in pregnancy in the summer and how that, you know, it's a whole thing. And So I think it'll be cool for me to be able to talk to that more as time goes on. But I think that's one thing I can still look forward to as well is like, okay, I'm excited to go to the beach and like, you know, wear summer clothes and kind of figure out what that's going to look like as my body changes and having to get new clothes. And, you know, it's not all like bliss. Like there's moments where I'm like, oh, this is like, this feels so weird. Like my body's not like it normally is. But yeah, so that's been a cool thing to even just kind of learn myself. And then I feel like that's going to help me better help my clients as well. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to bring you back for a conversation on that. It's I I can talk all about it. Well, I'll be able to talk to it even more, but even now I feel like I have so many, so many thoughts. (laughs) Absolutely. Talk about another area where there's so much pressure. We will, we will dog ear that page because that is that is juicy. And I love that you I didn't realize you were from Charleston. I did my internship there. Oh, I didn't know that. MUC. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I love Charleston. It was great. It was great. Well, thank yeah. you again for being here and sharing all of your knowledge yeah. with the wonderful people that are listening. Where can people find you? They're going to want to follow you and see what you have yeah. to say. Yeah. So I feel like the easiest way to find me is on Instagram. 
dylanmurphy.rd. And then my business page is, well, I use my personal page as my business page, but then free method nutrition is where you can learn even more just about like free method as a whole and, and our team there. And then freemethodnutrition.com is our website. We have a free guide that we call it our food freedom handbook. That's a good, you know, if you're listening to this and kind of wanting to know like where to start and, and what, you know, food freedom can look like, that can be super helpful. It's freemethodnutrition.com slash guide to download that. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here and to everyone else until next week. Hey there, it's me again. I wanted to pop on and, you know, really invite you to continue this conversation with me. I think a lot of times when we're talking about something ongoing, such as warm weather, COVID changes, body, food, this is really a bigger conversation. And I hope that Dylan and I's discussion on it really helped frame it out for you today. And what's interesting about podcast is I feel like I'm talking to you right now. And then I always wonder what you think. <laughs> like, what would they say back? So just know that you can, you know, reach out and connect with me. If you have more questions, you want to talk about this again, just was a really extra big topic. And I just wanted to really, again, hop in here and just extend that invitation. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you're still struggling with or what helped or what didn't help. Let's keep getting you supported. If you really related to some of the things we were talking about and feel like you do want to step forward and, and work with someone, definitely reach out to, to Dylan or to me, you know, I do this, this work with clients all the time. And these are important discussions to have if you want it tailored to your exact situation. So anyways, thanks again for listening and look forward to chatting more with you. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.